Welcome to Telerotor RC. This is episode 7, titled Night Flying. This is Robert Fulmonti, and with me I have Michael Shaggy Parker. Hello. And Monk. <laughs> Mike. Mike the Florida. Da- <laughs> Mike Florida DePaulo. Hell yeah, warm weather uh, dicks. Oh yeah, the next couple in. days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's staying in 100% for sure. You're just mad because you haven't spent the whole week at 85 degrees and sunny. Dude. Yeah, dude. well, if you come back, if you come back as pale as you were when you left Maryland, we're just going to laugh at you. Don't worry, man. I'm not a ginger. It's not like I turn into bacon when I walk outside. <laughs> <laughs> Though it did get up to 85 today. It was hot. I had the AC on today. For everyone who uh, enjoys hearing one record, this is April 13th, Friday the 13th. I did not even realize that. Holy crap. Yep. Uh, yeah. Driving home this evening, uh, the temperature of my car uh, was showing that it was outside. It was 90 degrees on the freeway. So it was warm out. But um, I'm going to go into what we did since last episode. Oh, boy. Anyone want to go first? <laughs> I don't know. You want to go first, Rob or Mike? I I, uh, I don't know if I should. I th- I I'll be I'll I'll be quick. Okay. Um. So since the last recording, I've been uh, playing around with the uh, Synergy Five Sixteen. I uh, went through and uh, set up the uh, Fataba CGY Seven Fifty and uh, finished building the heli and did the maiden and then uh, I've been doing the tuning on it. Um, Having a lot of fun. You're going to buy that helicopter just you watch. Yeah, (laughs) I might. I might. Uh, A lot of fun. Uh, You know, I I was uh, hesitating to do autos with it, and uh, uh, two friends were like, do it. Do it. I was like, okay, fine. I'm doing it. One of the friends is the actual owner of this helicopter. He said do it. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised to see how easy uh, the 516 did standard upright autos. Um, not bad at all. Not bad at all. So that was a, a lot of fun. Having a lot of fun flying the model. Um, brought it back after after you know initial, I think about nine flights, and uh, you know buttoning some things up, changing some things around, uh, checking the CG on it, and making sure everything's proper so i'll be getting back back out and flying it um otherwise i've been uh i've been focusing on uh practicing the f3c schedule p maneuvers uh so i did a did a lot of tuning for hovering um on my uh synergy e5 did a lot of uh, tuning hovering and then uh, i've been flying the aerobatics for the schedule p uh, which a lot of fun a lot of fun learned some new things uh Good friends been helping me, pointing out the obvious that hasn't been so obvious to me. So I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to uh, competition in the coming months. So 
Um, that's about it. Put a few pictures out there. Been playing around with the forums. Made a few YouTube videos for uh, the Fataba 16SZ and the 18SZ. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, that's really it for me. Who wants to go next? Make the robot man go. Okay. Okay, where do I start? Gotta remember this far back. Okay, so, uh, I can't remember any further back be- from this. Well, all you wrote in the show notes was stuff. Yeah, he really did write stuff. I want to know what's, 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 what he has for one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, nine Fs. I thought it was an acronym, so let's see if he can name off nine, name off nine items to start with F. Anyway, so I went out to the field, hung out with some two bastards, saw a uh, pretty looking helicopter, put the canopy on my head, just had to make sure it fit. It's awesome. Uh, flew a, I, I did fly a plane. I'm not going to mention about it. I put it on 4S for the first time and went over 100 miles per hour, which was awesome. Uh, but helicopter-wise, you know, obviously flew the fireball. Uh, brought the 420 as well. Yeah, brought the 420 in the E7SE. Finally flew that first time since uh, could crash at Urcha. Flies great. Batteries suck. Uh, also, I know why I Wait, boomstruck it. It's been that long? It's been that long, yes. And I know why I boomstruck it. It was set for 320 degrees a second and not any lower. So I have the Bluetooth one and I went on the application, put it on the two seven or 260. Much better. And then my ESC cuts off for a split second. I had the auto in and my batteries went below 2.8 volts per cell. And that was still at like, you know, when they... But leveled off, it was still at like 3.9 volts. So they're toast. Uh, can't complain. They're, the garbage fi- can. they're five-year-old equal powers. I-, I can't complain. But still, that was my last pair. So uh, that was the downside there. I also flew the 420 a, a second flight. Uh, and I started practicing my F3, the, the sportsman maneuvers. Just started with the hovering, the first hovering maneuver. Uh, which is the figure M. So I won't go into a hover and then I start drifting towards the right. And then I stopped, started rising above, you know, rising up two meters. And then I stopped. And when I stopped, then the helicopter just started pirouetting and went and drove straight in the ground. I had no control, um, except for a throttle hold. It smashes the ground, but doesn't tip over. Rip that helicopter. It doesn't tip over or anything. It literally just pancakes itself in the ground. Blades slowly spin down. I pick it up. Only thing I broke was I skid and I chipped my tail rotor blades. That was it. I was extremely lucky. Long story short of, of working on that, I've been able to recreate the problem on the bench and I it seems like it might be the BEC going out on my hobble wing, but I plugged in a receiver pack. No problem. I plug in the BEC back on it again. No problem. To this day, I haven't had a problem yet. I don't know what it is and it's freaking me out, but I may just go ahead and replace the speed control. I was going to do that anyways and put a uh, fly fun, uh, 80 amp so I can get the telemetry, but without knowing if it's a hundred percent, the BEC kind of scares me, but you know, that's going to be later on the road. I'll mention that whenever I fix it. So that was that flying day. Since then, I've been flying a few things. I did get new batteries for the E7 SE. They are not the best. And I only got them because one, eBay had a 15% off coupon and two, I needed batteries bad and I'm going to try them out. So far, they seem to be fairly okay for the what I paid for. They're power hobby grade batteries, uh, 6S5, 5200s. 
so far so good. They check out, they, you know, the cycles are fine. You know, did the five breaking cycles. They seem good. Did a flight, did a hover and flight, a little bit of 3D, solid, uh, holding well, balancing well. So I'm going to go out tomorrow, go out in the field, and we're going to start putting some hard flights on it. And then, of course, doing some tuning on the helicopter because it is a little off. And we'll see how the batteries hold up. Uh, so far, I'm liking them. Uh, and eventually, I'll get a, a much better set. So since then, uh, I've been working on planes. Yes, I've been working on planes at P-51 Mustang. I'm get about to fly tomorrow for the first time in two years. But other than planes, I'm not going to mention about that. This is not teleprop. We will have a teleprop section later on. Um, Rob doesn't know that yet. Uh, or now he does. The but- hell we will. <laughs> the hell we will. There you go. We are. Uh, I did get new expert. Finally, they came back in stock. The expert, uh, CI. Uh, 2301 micro servos and then a, uh, 2401T tail servo got those for my fireball and I installed them last night and a little bit today and I'm about to do the maiden tomorrow with the new servos. So that is my fifth helicopter with expert servos, two E7s, a Goblin 500, 420, and now the fireball. So I'm excited to try them out. They are freaking rock, rock awesome servos. Uh, for the micro ones. And that's, I'm just going to keep it simple and short and sweet. And that's basically all I did. Uh, yep. What about you, Mike? Uh, let's see. If we're starting at, was it last weekend that we're starting at or two weekends ago? I mean, if that's where we're at, um, there was some jet flying, some other nonsense and, uh, just lots of five, five, six flying. Oh, the, uh, the E5 got put back together after it got stripped down for maintenance crap. And, uh, I had to open up the Hobby Wing 130 because I got tired of having that janky ground line on the outside. For the record, this only applies to the opto-isolated version. So uh, if you've got the full back version, just ignore everything I'm saying. But if you have the opto-isolated one, and you may be wondering why uh, your brain or your whatever fly barless is seeing really janky signals coming out of it. Um, when they said they opto-isolated it, they really did it. Like hardcore. So... Um, you either need to run a jumper wire between your receiver system and your main power packs on the ground, or you need to pop the thing open and you need to... I don't have the schematic with me, but uh, there's a jumper you need to put a solder bridge over to connect the grounds internally. Granted, I, I feel like I'm probably the only guy that actually owns a 130 and uses a receiver pack. But aside from that, yeah, just lots of 5.56 blocks. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. I probably would have to retire the, the 600N if I do. You'll be able to get one soon enough. Everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what that's what I did when I got a new one. You just so? you take your six hundred in, you pull all the goodies out of it, and then you can either fill the old one with tannerite and blow it up, or you put it on RC Heli whatever and sell that it. Or and then you go enjoy your new uh, your, your new synergy and you burn lots of nitro. It'd be great. Everyone be happy. Unicorns smiling and, and farting rainbows everywhere. That or fly it until something happens and then re- and then then get rid of it and get the. Five, five, six. You know, I used to say that, but if you don't fly like a total jackass, that might be a really long time. It probably will. True. Dude, Rob Terry makes fun of me for having a canopy on my E5 that is as yellow as the golf carts at Urcha. And for those who have no experience with golf carts at Urcha, it basically looks like it's been in a room with a smoker for about five years. Yeah, that's what about, what is it, five years now? <laughs> 
Dude, that canopy's old as shit. You got that canopy in 2012. Yeah, it's kind of crusty. It's been a while. And here, I can't have an E7 canopy last freaking 12 flights. And it's not even my canopy. And I freaking smash it in the dirt. Because I crashed all my canopies. Rip. Yeah. Time to just not use canopies. It's an idea. You need to go take a, a milk jug and do it old school, man. Draw some, <laughs> draw some googly eyes on it. Just Velcro strap that thing on there. No, 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 no. It's not starting. Hey, and everyone joining us today is Mike Milk Jug Parker. Nice. Ah, jeez. Milk Jug. Milk Jug! It's just like a, it's just like, what is it? Uh, like, <laughs> well, Shaggy's got Shaggy, and he's also got Milk Jug now, and then uh, he's it? also got Range Test, Range Test, and then Monty's got Full Monty, and uh, who is it? Merrick has Powerline. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Let's see. All right, but uh, so that's all that crap. So what do we got for news? We got some gas stuff. We got some AMA stuff. Some clinics. Some hangouts business. Who wants to take us through that? Uh, hey, Apollo, you do the, the gas engine. I didn't even know it existed, and I'm really excited to see this. Exactly. That's why I think you should do it. Okay. Let me copy, let me copy this link. Copy pasta. Let me go look at this. Dude, this thing has been announced a long time Let's ago. See, what we got here? T- TRM. Dude, I've been living under a rock soldering boards for Mr. Um, Jones, so I have no idea what's going on right now. Smooth power, 14,000 RPMs for high performance, custom air filter. Um, same running characteristics as the uh, VX300 SE, but with more power and torque. 310. I wonder if it's got like, a longer stroke or something. He doesn't list that information. I'm kind of bummed. No. Time to go find someone that owns one and tear it apart. <laughs> yeah, but that one's available on the uh, gas-powered helicopters website. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for you gassers. What's that? We need to get one, and we got to put it on the go-pad <laughs> and get so dangerous. <laughs> the thing's already terrifying with a 29cc Chinese motor. Can you imagine with, like, one of these stuffed on the back of it? I'd end up dead with that go-pad if I put one of these on it. Perhaps we need to get a helmet. <laughs> yeah, you might actually need a helmet at that point. Well, you can own one for a easy payment of $579, plus shipping and handling. I think I think that's worth it to almost give myself a concussion. <laughs> and then you'd be paying $579,000 for your medical bills. Nah, that's what the helmet's for, man. I'll just probably leave a little bit of road rash, though. Yeah. You just tell them it was a bicycle accident. That was a very <laughs> fast bicycle accident. <laughs> Down a hill, and there was a sharp curb at the end that uh, you didn't see. You went right through the trees. Uh, go ahead and go over that. Remember, I get the big wheel, go fast off-road version. I need to get the engine for my bike. Make a stink it's bike. It's either that or we're taking the stank bike to Urcha again. Because Doug Darby loves that thing. I'm going to build one before Urcha. Buy the kit. I'll show you how to do it. And then I'll show you how to make it go terrifyingly fast. Dude, the kit's like 80 bucks online. It's super cheap. Oh, yeah, but there's, there's stuff you got to do to make them go faster. Like, you got to clean the engine up and other crap and balance them. And oh, all that stuff. okay, we'll do that. I'll, but once you, once I'll you do that, though, once you do that, you get to go really, really fast and push the limits of a bicycle. Unless you buy a good bike, in which case you're totally fine. I do have a good bike. A good mountain bike, 21 speed. And actually, cool, we, we're going to use that one then. We, we, we need to... Walmart um, bike a little bit sketchy. We need to, make, we need to put a, a, um, a gear transmission and, and a shifter, you know, to shift gears, you know, like three speeds. 
If you if you want to do that, I've got the plans for it. Hell and then we'll yeah. debut that at Urcha. Hell yeah. Really. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then that'll probably go actually a little bit terrifyingly fast. You might want to use a bike with disc brakes at that point. It does have disc brakes but front actually, and back. linear brakes are good. Just don't overheat them. It has disc brakes front and back. Oh, we're good then. That, that's more than good enough. It's a good quality mountain bike. I love it. Yeah, that sounds like a good candidate if the motor fits. All right, so what else we got in news? We got the TRM engine. That thing's badass. What else is here? Yeah, that's nice. So um, most of us, uh, many of us, probably oh, would this. have seen today that we got an email from the AMA asking us to write a letter to our representatives in Congress to uh, try and help to protect the uh, Part 336 um, of the previous FFA, FAA reauthorization. I'm not going to go into it one way or another. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, I think it's worth writing, or you can ignore it completely. But uh, Basically, the short version is the AMA is trying to fight for the exemption that they get to deal with all the model stuff versus letting the FAA deal with model stuff. And uh, anyone who has actually dealt with the FAA for full scale, it's a recurring joke that they're not happy until you're not happy. So ideally, AMA deals with model stuff. And we should keep it that way. The FAA does not need any more regulation with our hobby. And I'm sick of it. So if you want to keep on flying, suggest you vote. Or whatever. Right. Whatever. But if you if you feel like uh, pretty much hand your stuff to the government, go for it. Then don't do anything. Now, this, this is a good example of when people ask, why do we have the AMA or why be a member? It's crap like this. Exactly. They do go to bat for us. And they, they generally do a pretty good job of it. I think they do a real good job. Um, however, it's it's tough to do the job and tell everyone about doing the job. For those of us who have desk jobs where we have to do reports weekly about what we did, it kind of becomes a joke of all I'm doing is writing a report about what I did. And all I did was sit in meetings that you forced me to sit into. So I haven't actually accomplished anything. <laughs> the feels are real, man. All right. What's next on the list? Oh, right. So uh, the next big thing. Heli Spring Fling Clinic. So who, who we got this time, Monty? We got Alan Zabo will Jr. will be doing the uh, Align Clinic, and we have one spot left in that class. Cost is three hundred fifty dollars per student, and class is on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, if you're interested in the class and you're going to be uh, out in Virginia that time frame, uh, PM me on Facebook, hit me up through the forums, email the podcast, make some noise get my attention <laughs> it's also a good event and you should just show up anyway because it's amazing yeah if you follow if you follow the event on facebook um lots of cool people are gonna come out and have fun with us um it's a pretty fun time gotta say it's looking like it's gonna be bigger <laughs> i mean so far it is the, the the hype is uh it's definitely there so if you want another smaller version of ohb this is what it's gonna be but very laid back. Yeah. It's a pilot's fun fly, man. It's what makes it good. Yes. It's not a fun fly. It's a pilot's fun fly. And we now have flushing toilets and showers. Yes. On site. And they are beautiful. Casey did a lot of hard work and a bunch of other people did. And some very nice people helped yes. us out with some funds on that one. And they, they, they are, they're nice. They are very nice. So please don't smoke in them. Please. <laughs> Oh, dude, they're, they're, I mean, it's all well water. It's, it's really nice stuff. That's why I'm like, please nobody hotbox them. Casey did a lot of work, and I had to do a lot of AC duct hanging in there with them, and it's like, 
damn, I, I got a lot of – my hands were in this. It would be, like, really sad to walk in there on a Saturday morning and be, like, choked out by a bunch of those stale cigarette fumes. <laughs> Perhaps we should put up some no-smoking signs. I'm going to go in there with a damn taser and be spot-checking people. <laughs> you start tasing motherfucking <laughs> the nuts. It's going to be like, like, I smell smoke. What was, what was that music video? Who did that one? Oh, that was like a boss. Wait, where he oh, walks up oh, on Ryan um, Reynolds and the guy from Lord of the Rings, and they just keep teasing dropped, him. Threw it on the ground. Yeah, That's it. yeah. Threw it on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, someone's face is gonna be happy birthday to the ground if I catch him smoking in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Heli Spring Fling, May two through six. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be real good. It's All be right. Good. So what's the last one here, Ron? What we got here, Monty? Uh. So, as usual, we are posting in the RC Heli Hangout Forum in the podcast corner. You also find our friends there from uh, Freefall RC, Full Pitch, and RC Heli Hooligans. And typically, we try and do a trivia question uh, per episode when we post up in there. Um, if you haven't seen a trivia question for me, then call me out and see if I get one up there. <laughs> or maybe I force one of these two other jack wagons to uh, put a trivia question in there. Main episode. Tonight we're going to talk about night flying. So in this episode, basically we're going to cover topics dealing with getting your aircraft ready. Uh, getting your aircraft ready to go out there and fly at night. Um, first up, I'm going to get into uh, heli lighting. So a uh, big part of heli lighting when it comes to night flying is basically the orientation. Um there's key ways you can place LEDs on the helicopter, whether it's by changing colors or directions of LEDs, which kind of really means you just use one color and run in a specific direction. Or if you're playing with LEDs on your aircraft, uh, wrap booms, uh, run LEDs down, you know, carbon fiber fins like your vertical fin, um, landing gear, those kind of things. Uh, another thing like low sticks. Um, I actually have to give credit to uh, the craziest guy at our field who brought it up one night. I had uh, I had recently switched away. Uh, I recently sold my Thunder Tiger helicopter, which I had which I had a full night setup for. I would just uh, wrap the boom and, and change up the canopy and landing gear, and I had my Synergy E5. But uh, I didn't have LEDs for it. I wanted to fly at night because I had night blades. I enjoy night flying, and that's when uh, Digger. Digger brought up, uh, hey, back in the old day, we just uh, zip-tied glow sticks to our helicopters. So, and it works so well. <laughs> it works. It does work. Uh, Casey, Don't buy crappy glow sticks. Yeah, Casey, Casey and I made a run to Walmart and uh, found some uh, glow sticks in the camping section. Uh, picked up a few of them, zip-tied them to the aircraft, had fun. These days, I actually buy two separate colors of industrial glow sticks off Amazon. And uh, I switch up the colors between the skids and the boom. Uh, that way I don't you know, use all of one color and have nothing left of the other color and, and really can't fly anymore. But yeah, I zip tie uh, one glow stick to each skid uh, towards the front and the one glow stick on my boom uh, over top of the uh, uh, boom support uh, clamp. But uh, yeah, the glow sticks help to give orientation when you basically you're close up. Or if you're to have an issue with the helicopter, um, glow sticks will keep lighting until basically they're cut in half. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but back to LEDs, uh, you know, a lot of people even played around. You'll see that a line sells glow wire. It's kind of dim, but it's really fun to actually work with. Um, as you can make cool designs with it. Uh, LEDs, I know Shaggy's going to get more into LEDs later on. But, um, you know, I usually, I like I did, I remember Mike and I, when we were at Joe Nall, I found a guy who deals in LEDs, and I just went and talked with him and bought a bunch of LEDs in custom length. Um, you know, there's the red, the greens, the blues, the whites, the yellows. Uh, purple. What other colors am I thinking about? What, for uh, nighttime LEDs? Yeah. Greens are always very good. The eye is very sensitive to that. Green, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the interesting thing is I, I got glow stick or I got LEDs that were meant for like 3S. On 2S, they were too dim. And on 3S, if you had too much LEDs, which I did, guys would complain that the helicopter is too bright. Um. I don't know. <laughs> you can, uh, on that part, I'll, I'll get into that in a moment. But, um, yeah, on that helicopter, I put green on the canopy. Specifically, I had some green down the sides, and then I had a strip that basically went from the main shaft over the nose and on the underside of the canopy. Um, I used, you know, red's also a great color. You can use a lot of red because it, it, it sticks out to the eyes but doesn't overpower. Uh, so I wrapped the boom in red. And so a lot of times you'll see guys use uh, – they'll run LEDs down something. The problem with running like LEDs down a boom, like a strip down the boom, is a viewing angle. LEDs have a viewing angle. Um, imagine a glow stick. A glow stick has a viewing angle of 360 degrees. You can walk all around a glow stick and it will glow from every angle you look at it. LEDs do not light up every angle you look at them. Uh, one that's first obvious is that, you know, they usually they're sitting on something, so they're not visible for at least 180 degrees. And then you throw in the fact that you're actually dealing with a little uh, uh, LED on top of a strip. And I think, what is it, 60-degree viewing angle, Mike? Uh, if we're talking the little SMD mount ones, yeah, it's usually fairly limited viewing angle. So if you wanted something that actually illuminated in all directions, there's – um. There are LEDs designed to be viewable to like 180 degrees. They've got a special cap on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ones that I actually have and use are typically rated for 120 degrees. They kind of stick up a little bit and they kind of shine around the sides. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of like a dome. Not, you know, it's kind of like a small little dome, but it's, it's rated for like 120 uh, 120 degree view and angle. Yeah, and that's that's a big reason is is if you think about it, if you run if you run like four separate strips down your boom, you end up with a lot of LEDs on your boom. And with a 120 degree viewing angle, if you ran like four strips at every 90 degrees, you end up with a lot of a lot of it, and you still kind of end up with that area where it's not so bright. Whereas if you wrap the LEDs around the boom, you'll end up you almost always end up with LEDs in view. Um. And then last I had, well, not last, but uh, at the end of the boom, I had a little strip of blue on each side of the vertical fin. Blue stands out like crazy. It's one of those colors I wouldn't use a lot of, but it, it does it does a really good job with a yeah, blue amount. Yeah, yep. It's great for a vertical. <laughs> uh, blue is a um, very high Kelvin rating, and it's very intense on your eyes. Uh, red is easier for, for vision. Uh, so it really definitely helps, but if you have a lot of it, then you can really start straining your eyes. Yeah. 
Um, last I had uh, yellow on my skids. So the big part, the, the different colors in different areas, is when I had those colors in view, I had a, a mental understanding of just the orientation I was looking at. The other thing was to get the LEDs spread out in such a fashion that when you put the helicopter through all your various orientations of flight, that you had LEDs in view. I remember when I first made in the helicopter, I didn't have anything on the skids. And so when I went from an upright orientation into a flip, into inverted, all of a sudden I would have this black hole in the middle of the, of the helicopter where the skids were at. I had a little green on the nose and I had a boom wrapped in red, but there was this dark hole in the middle. And I was like, that is, that's not cool. That's unnerving. So a big thing was to get, was to get um, LEDs on the, landing gear so that I, I could see. I'd have light in all the orientations. Also, for guys who fly nitro, definitely put an LED on your tank so you can do a flyby fuel check. And you can see how much fuel you have. Because... Uh, it's a good <laughs> idea. It's a very good um, idea. Not, you know, just trying to use the ambient LEDs you have, it's not that great. You won't, you're not going to see your fuel that well. Whereas if you put an LED in your tank, maybe even put it on a switch, you're going to, you're going to see your fuel and you'll be happier and, and, and you'll be happier and more confident you got the fuel you need to fly. <laughs> um, I'd say past that, work out your patterns, work out your patterns. Um, you know, and applying the LEDs on, on the actual helicopter, I, you know, like I was saying before, I wrapped them around the boom. I would zip tie them down to the boom. Um, that same strip, I joined the red and the blue on the boom together. I would zip tie them to uh, the vertical fin. Uh, I terminated the LEDs to a JST plug. Um, and then the landing gear, I had a set of landing gear that permanently had LEDs on it. And I would just flip the helicopter upside down and bolt on the other landing gear. And it was also terminated with the JST. Uh, with the second canopy... I ran the wires on the inside of the canopy and the LEDs were uh, stuck on the LEDs were stuck on the uh, outside. But on that canopy on the inside, I had basically a Deans and JSTs. So everything could plug in and then that, that Deans could run over to the three uh, S 1000 milliamp power uh, pack. I had to power all the lights um, that way it was modular. I could plug and unplug things and, and not have everything wrapped up and a big ball of, of crap. Um, definitely experiment with your colors. Uh, you know, think about the orientations. Uh, think about how much you're putting down on there. Um, you know, take a little bit of LEDs and, and, you know, tape it down to a canopy and walk it out and set it down in the field in the dark and just see how good it looks that far away on your canopy. You know, take a look at other people's aircraft. If you happen to run somebody running LEDs in the aircraft, um, there is such a thing as too much. Uh, kind of what Shaggy was talking to before, like blue shows up really, really, really easily. And so at some point you can end up just with like a, a ball of light, you know, a UFO. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't personally like white lights either. That's why I went for the yellow. Uh, as to whether or not to use weather, weather, or not weatherproof, but water resistant or waterproof lights. Um, I didn't. I dunked my landing gear at the uh, 3D pond at Triple Tree. Um, the lights lived. I also did plenty of skidding autos across wet grass at 
1 a.m. in the morning when all the dew was heavy on the ground. Those, those lights didn't care. <laughs> um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on waterproof or water-resistant lights, gentlemen? Um, if we're talking the ones you can just buy, they, they're really not meant to be mounted on something that it vibrates and flies around, so the waterproofing will come off sometimes. Yeah, the other thing I find is they're they're really heavy. Yeah, it depends on the kind they are. If it's a silicone extruded type, then chances are they weigh a lot and that stuff will peel off. If you really wanted waterproof, you need to get the ones that have a conformal coating put on them, which is kind of like a flexible clear coat for electronics. Yeah. In the end, I had um, I bought extra of the LEDs. They did they did vibrate, fail, get cut. Um, a wire would tear off of off the pad, off the copper strip pad, and and it would tear the pad with it. So I really couldn't solder back to it well. Um, so I bought extra of the colors, and it wasn't too unusual. I did a couple or I did two or th two, like two repairs a year of just repairing the the LED strips. Um, is yeah, they're not quite meant for the wear and tear you might put on them. Um. Rotor blades. As far as rotor blades go, what's available on the market? You know, we've got a couple different offerings out there right now. You've got you've got rotor blades that can write messages in the skies. You've got a lot of rotor blades that come out of the Fun Key factory. So you've got um, switch rotor blades. You can still find Curtis rotor blades out there. I think you can even get a set in 600 size if you want to. You can order them. Um, and then the ones I really enjoy these days is the rails. A big thing to look at is a lighting pattern. Uh, most everything out of out of Funky Factory has a, a three a three light pattern. You know, a light on the tip, a light on the underside, and a, a, a light on the tip. One light that is seen on both sides in the middle of the blade, and then a light that is only seen on the underside of the blade. So, if you look at the underside of the helicopter, you have three rings for your main rotor, and if you look at the top, you only have two rings. Um, the reason I really enjoy the rails is with the white tips on the main rotor blades. It puts out on it puts out a lot of ambient light, so uh, I'm much more comfortable with depth perception when doing auto rotations at night. Uh, DePaulo probably remembers when I flew the red blades. I flew Curtis and Edge blades for years. Remember DePaulo when I got ready for every landing, you'd pull out your flashlight. Yeah, the white is kind of badass, let's be honest. Yeah, the white is badass. Um, flying the reds, you know, the red the red, the red, red was used as a main color on the tip. I loved them. They were great blades. But yeah, the, the depth perception when it came to the ground was non-existent. Um, wasn't enough light. Um, so, yeah, the white, the white, <laughs> the white rails, they really do an awesome job. As far as how all the blades fly... It's interesting. You end up with a bunch of stuff on your bird for nighttime, and then you throw on a rotor blade that weighs more than your daytime blade. The nighttime blades all fly well. You will probably notice that you've you've gotten a weight penalty. Um, the interesting thing, and I'll probably get it to it in the future when we have a discussion about rotor blades. I really enjoy doing auto rotations with night blades. One, they're short, so I run 696 millimeter night blades, so they're shorter than 716s, which means uh, they're good for aerobatic autos. But then you throw in the fact that, uh, you know, for instance, my 696 rails weigh about 200 grams. My 716 rails in the standard are about 210 grams, 
My F3C 716s are 242 grams per blade. Uh, the 696 rail night blades are 232 grams for the set I have with a battery. But that battery is really close to the blade. You're not running it out on the tips, so it's not making it ultra stable, but you still have weight. So at nighttime, you get great visibility of the rotor disc, and then a blade that doesn't really want to stop. And it's short, so it spools up really well, and it keeps going really well. I've done some really fun floating autos. Uh, you'd be surprised. I actually learned quite a bit of aerobatic autos at night. <laughs> um, the rotor blades are just that visible. Um, tail blades, you know, uh, definitely you still get a hold of Curtis blades. Um, you still got, you, you, of course you got the switch and you got rails, um, rotor techs, rotor techs, of course, coming from funky. Uh, they all pretty much run the same battery. Some of them run, uh, two batteries per blade. Others run one battery per blade. Um, but you know, as far as those go, uh, you know, all these blades have a switch to turn on once they, uh, once, once your helicopter starts pulling up. But yeah, I also buy off Amazon batteries, watch batteries for the blades, for the tail blades, have more on hand. Uh, the interesting thing is you won't actually be able to tell with like a multimeter that that battery is too low for flying. You'll just start noticing that your rotor, your, your tail blades are getting dim and they're not as visible as they once were. Um, about that point, they have a question in your mind is about the time you need to go ahead and pop the batteries out and put new ones in. And they're really cheap too. You can get them, you can get like, a package of 25 on eBay for like 10 bucks. That's what I did. Yeah. And and they, they work really well. They're good quality. They're from a U.S. seller. So if you're not, don't want to get like the Chinese ones because you don't know about the quality is all, you know, all that great. I, I, there was a U.S. seller that was selling 25 or 10 bucks. So it was like perfect. Yeah. I'm not all that worried about the source on the, on the batteries. Um, <laughs> not all worried about the source of the batteries. I usually have to buy off Amazon ten packs, or I think about six ninety nine shipped to the door. Um, yeah. Amazon, baby. <laughs> yeah, definitely have some batteries at hand. Um, we did that at Urcha. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Amazon some night flying blaze to Urcha. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, for batteries for main blades these days, most everything coming out of the, well, everything I've seen coming out of the funky ba factory has a separate battery that attaches to the rotor blade. That's one of the great things about it is, is the initial purchase of night blades is a little expensive, but unlike the past decade, the battery is separate. So if you do happen to have a crash at night, when you go to buy the blade again, it's cheaper the second time because you have your battery still. Um, out of that, they're just little single cell, uh, lipos. They're in a little plastic housing. Single cell, 200 milliamp. And if the battery goes bad, eventually go on eBay and buy a new one <laughs> or get like a E-Flight or Venom one and just put it in there. 200 milliamp capacity. It's literally super easy. Four screws, done. Just make sure you take it off slowly because there is springs in there for pins. Yep. There's springs in there for pins because they do have a mechanical connection. Yeah, Shaggy and I once investigated the field of some crash blades. The the bit that turns the blade off and on is actually buried inside the leading edge of the rotor blade. Yep, yep, and a bunch of epoxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a uh, it's it's really cool. It's a it's a round uh, aluminum cylinder, and there's another cylinder uh, a weight that's inside of that, and there's a spring attached to it. And there's a momentary, very, very, very sensitive momentary switch that's that's uh, butted up against to it. 
and basically the springs is uh, coiled around the outer side where the, where the momentary kind of sits in the, in a hole uh and then the weight is basically uh you know when when centrifugal force picks up it's being pushed compressing the spring because it's a compression spring that's uh that's in there and it eventually will push the the switch the momentary switch and then boom voila you got lights <laughs> definitely yeah yeah I mean, everyone saw people notice that one blade may not um turn off as soon as the other um it's just a physical spring i really don't care <laughs> yep it's the sensitivity of the spring it's the compression of the spring how many winds it has and how much load it can take before it eventually compresses yep um last thing on topic on this one that i that i wanted to get out there is after you load your helicopter up with all these lights and um and a, and a possibly a heavier tail rotor blade check the cg of your aircraft um, I actually have a, a canopy, even though I run glow sticks, I have a night canopy I put on my, on my helicopter. It's actually the stock E5 canopy in white that is weighted for night flying, um, because my CG does change for night and I want a consistent helicopter for nighttime flying. So definitely check your CG, <laughs> especially if you load it up with enough, with enough cool stuff, like another battery, LEDs, um, you know, different blades and such. That's about it all I I have. I think I think it's up uh, to Paula. You got anything you want to throw out there in this thing? Nope, not really. It's basically shaggy time. Yep, shaggy. Bury him. <laughs> all right, you want the Bible now? It's all you. Don't don't I'll call me. Um, don't call me. You call yourself. I'm I'm about to hit mute and walk away for a moment. <laughs> well, first I want to get into you know you were talking about you know lighting up the actual model and different types of LEDs you can use. Now, what Rob is mainly t- talking about is uh, LED light strips, you know, individual sh- strips that, ha- um, that have LEDs that are soldered onto them with, of course, resistors and all that stuff. Uh, usually, are, they're cuttable strips that are measured every three LEDs or, or every two inch has a cuttable section. Uh, so, they're cuttable for length or anything like that, custom length, custom sides, whatever. And that's really cool to put around on your canopy, your skids, your boom, your vertical, whatever. Now another thing that I was that you're talking about the align tubes, um, the align LED tubes. Another thing that uh, actually two things that I'm going to try out and use, and I actually will put a, a picture on the uh, on the page of what I did. I put it on the hangout, so if you guys saw it, uh, then obviously you know what I'm talking about. But I'll put it on the page just in case. Uh, I I just temporarily taped it on there. I got some neon uh, LED tube lights and. Uh, I, I just taped it on the outline of my Goblin 420 and lit it up. Now, they are not incredibly bright compared to a uh, a standard SMD uh, LED bulb, but they create enough glow that in, in, in a very equal glow and a 360 degree ro- uh, viewing angle on the model to be able to see it from a distance. Now, obviously, I wouldn't try it without running some sort of other night blades and as well glow sticks because they are basically like a backup like a safety uh light but they are gr- great they're not they're they're best for not damaging your eyes dilate your your pupils at one time and you're you know squinting you can't quite see the model you can't feel the orientation they're a perfect glow where you can still see it make out the orientation but it doesn't blind you and it's a very even and consistent light where the smd lights are going to be 
the individual bulbs. Again, they have a different view angle. Obviously, directly, you're going to see it. Uh, that's the brightest angle it's going to be versus 80 degrees, 90 degrees, 120 degrees. It's going to be a lot dimmer. Uh, it's not going to be quite as bright. It's not facing you. So they actually are pretty nice. And I'm going to try to take a, either a plane. I'll probably try a plane first um, and just wrap that on there and just you know, fly that and see how it is. And then I'll probably try it on a helicopter. But they seem to work really well. Another uh, light source that would actually um, be less LEDs and more efficient. And I don't want to say it's easier to, uh, to, to install. It's going to be about the same. But it's fiber optic cable. Side view fiber optic cable. I'm not going to get into detail on this one because I, I'm still doing the research on that. And we are not really here talking about fiber optic cable. But it's basically a transparent tube that's uh, kind of like a, like a fiber optic Christmas tree. Except it's side view. So there's like fra uh, f uh, fragments inside that shoot the, the light beams in all, all direction. So it's kind of like a neon tube. But the only light source is at the very tip of the fiber optic cable. So you only need like one bulb to light the whole entire strip. Now, obviously, the longer it goes, the dimmer it's going to get. So you, it's best to have one on each end to get a pure uh, pure color or a pure light to go through the, the whole entire cable. But that's something else I'm going to try out. I actually ordered some uh, and I'm going to give that a shot. And it's actually very inexpensive for the standard like three, two to three millimeter diameter. Now, once you get to like eight millimeter, then it's ridiculously expensive. But standard size, what, would, what we would use for helicopters, it's actually very reasonably priced. Again, not going to get too detail into that because that is something... I'm still doing research on. Uh, so what we're going to really talk about right now is custom building night blades. So Rob was telling me more about LED layout on the actual helicopter. I don't have much to add onto that other than neon tubes. Uh, I'm here to talk about custom night blades where Rob talked about what you can buy. There isn't a whole lot of blades out there you can buy. Mainly you've got rail, switch, rotor tech, and then if you want to get really expensive magic night blades. MS Composite, Night Blades. Am I missing anything, guys? Uh, not really. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, you have Edge, but that's Switch, so... Yeah. More funky blades. Yeah, okay. Overall funky blades. Um, but, you know, some people don't like the color options. Perfect example, uh, Powerline did not... Uh, a guy at the field, he did not like the, the lighting of the rail blades because... His, he, you know, everybody's eyes are different, so his eyes didn't quite see the colors all that well on the rail blades, but he loves the, um, I think he likes the edge blades because they have the red that's in them, and right now he has the Rototex, which he absolutely loves. So, he prefers those. Rob prefers the rail blades. I prefer something that just lights up, you know, whatever. But also, uh, one thing that I enjoy doing is building the custom blades. Put your own damn colors on there for Pete's sakes. You know, so let's get into actually uh, building custom night blades here. So the first thing, first things first, uh, most importantly, is figure out what size of blade you want. Now, obviously, we're building custom blades. You can use any other any any size blade you want. Doesn't matter. You can pretty much use any any different type of blade you want. Uh, these are custom blades, so any size, uh, manufacturer, whatever. If it goes on your helicopter, you can make it night blades. Next, we need to, um, so let's just think of a random blade. Okay, I'm going to use my uh, custom night blades for my Blade 180 CFX. I understand that's a small blade, but that's one that I, it's one of my first, it's basically my first set of blades. 
uh, and by far the best set of blades I made so far. I just really like the way they, they turned out. So I'm going to use my 180 blades. Okay, so now we got a size. Now we need to figure out what kind of LEDs are we going to use. There is a crap ton of different LEDs out there. So you've got a bunch of different types of LEDs out there. You've got DIP, SMD, COB, or COB as it's, you know, abbreviated as. Uh, tons of different more. So, but the ones we're going to use for these night blades typically is going to be uh, the SMDs. The SMD is pretty, which stands for is surface mount device. It's a, um, it's what you commonly see uh, in your everyday items like your cell phone, computers, uh, even the flywheelers units we use. They all have SMD electronics and SMD LED uh, inside. Uh, they're pretty much just a on you know that they just they bolt on a circuit board and it has a, just a small little light that emits from from that little uh, SMD device there. Uh, so that's mainly what we're going to be using. It's just going to be SMDs because they're very thin. They're very flat. You don't want to affect the airfoil of the, the rotor blade as much as you can because you are going to be, uh, the more you put on the blade, the more it affects the airfoil. So SMDs are the thinnest and the best you can use. Uh, next, we need to figure out the size. Just like uh, different types of LEDs, there is different sizes of LEDs. What So it's going to depend on the size blades you use will determine on the size uh, LED you're going to use. Now I will uh, I will list of course a uh, spreadsheet of th different sizes, different common size LEDs that you're going to that you can find anywhere and pretty much what would be best for what size blade. Now for my this example of my 180 night blades I used a a size uh, LED that was uh, 0603. That was a um, number code for the LEDs. So I'll get to that now. What is the number codes of these LEDs? So there's actually, by what I've been able to find, there's been there's actually mainly two different uh, types of codes for our number codes for these LEDs. You've got the metric code, and then you kind of got the, like your standard code, um, just like screws and drivers and all that crap. Pretty much most everyone does things with metric if you're doing SMD. It just makes everything easier. Y yes. So, and and that was my point is most of it's going to be uh, metric. However, my 603s are not metric 603s that I found out at, at after I've already soldered it on. They're actually standard, which because so there is actually a metric 0603 and a standard 0603. So, Obviously, metric is millimeters. Standard is in the inches and stuff like that. the The abbreviation of six hundred three and standard actually goes to one point six by point eight uh, millimeters. So it's actually in the millimeter stands. It's actually a sixteen oh eight. So that's how you get the the numbers. It's basically the size. So the first two numbers is going to be number point number, and then obviously this this the second is going to be number point number. Um, another example, another of another common size is 5050. So like your typical RGB, you know, red, green, blue LEDs that are all in one LED. Typical is 5050, uh, five millimeters by five millimeters. I'm going to have a spreadsheet that's going to have this. If this sounds a little confusing, I'll be able, you'll be able to look up this link, uh, into this document and I'll be able to, you'll be able to see all the different sizes and, and basically what this code means. Uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail because you'll be able to look this up. 
uh, after the end. We're, we're talking we're talking dimensions, right? Yeah, pretty much the size of the LEDs. Yep. Yeah. Well, it basically just comes down to one of one's in millimeters and the other ones in thousandths of an inch. That's pretty much it. And the 0603 is just a it's a length width. So if it's metric 0603, it's uh, what is it? It's 0.6 millimeter by 0.3 millimeter, and if it's metric, yes. it's 0.0. It's in sixty thousandths. It's it's a little bit weird that they mess with the tens place a bit. Yeah. Yep. Realistically, though, honestly, there are very few people, even in the electronics industry, that actually use the Imperial um, SMD. It's pretty much everyone. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That that small. Oh yeah. Yep. But yeah, the ones that I actually ordered were the 0603s in standard, which is a 1608 in metric. Uh, definitely look at the metric codes, but there is the standard code for it. So basically, Mike kind of summed it up on we're mainly going to be using metric and kind of like the tenth of a millimeter and the thousandth of an inch. So now figure out your size. Now I'm just going to do a brief thing here. So 0603 is great for, you know, like a 180 blade, uh, the Oxy 2 size blades. Um, TRS-250 size blades. Then you start going up to like a 360. It would be kind of big. Uh, you could probably go something in between these sizes. Uh, probably an, on the, on the Imperial side, it would be an 805. So it would be a 2012 would probably be a good one. 2835 would be probably another, uh, good size. It's a little on the big size, but I mean, a 2012 would probably be a better one. 2835s are very, very common and dirt cheap to get. Uh, all of the, all of these LEDs are pretty much cheap to get, but, they're probably one of the most common sizes out there. So, and then you go to like your 500, 600, 700 size blades. I would use the uh, the 2835s. Then when you start getting to like the 700 size blades, you can probably switch on over to the 5050s if you really want to get bright. Uh, but the 5050s are pretty big LEDs. So they're pretty thin. Um, the thickness doesn't really fluctuate too much. So you're not really uh, standing too high, but it just gets wide. And, uh, if you really want it bright, 5050 is your, is your, is your, uh, LED. But if you just want it simple, heck, you could probably go with a 5256, which is longer versus wide. So you can really, you really fluctuate from that. But, uh, typically for micro blades, 0603 to a, uh, 0805, 360, you typically maybe a, uh, 2012, uh, 2835. And then you go to your, you know, five, six, seven hundred size, uh, the, you know, 20, between 2835 to 5050s. Now, uh, after going through the uh, different sizes of SMD LEDs, now we need to figure out what color we want. The color orientation, the color layout, basically the whole thing that you really want on your blades. That's going to be mainly up to you, what colors you want and the way you want it laid out. So we're going to go through my example of the Blade 180 blades. So what I have on that is I have a... um three LEDs on the top and two LEDs in the bottom. So I have it and they're all staggered out different lengths. I have on the top of the blade red, then it goes to orange, and then it goes to yellow. Very close spectrum colors. So it could kind of merge together uh, from a distance. But, you know, you're just trying to create certain lights on. You're trying to create a, a light uh, a light up disc. You're not really trying to have really distinct colors on each side. You just want to have it kind of lit up. But what you really want to have a distinct color is on the other side. On the other side, I actually have blue and green. So you don't really want to, I mean, this is my personal aspect of it. 
you don't really want to mix red and blue on the same on the same side. Reason being is, so I have really uh, I have infrared colors and then on the top and then ultraviolet colors on the bottom. So when I flip the disc over, I know exactly what orientation I am at. I don't get confused where I see an ultraviolet and an infrared color on the same side. Then I get really confused. I will 100% know when it's upright and when it's inverted. I have my infrared on top, ultraviolet on the bottom. And also, if you, if you, if you can't tell by that way, you'll be able to tell by three LEDs on top, two LEDs on the bottom. Um, so I, yes, I have red in the very tip, then it goes to orange and then it goes to yellow underneath blue is the very tip. And then green is actually in between the yellow and the orange, the basic layout that I have mine at. So again, color options is going to be up to you, uh, and the way it's laid out, uh, you, there's a wide range of different colors out there. You've got red, you've got orange, you've got yellow slash amber, uh, green, pink, blue, and even you can go with white, cool white, warm white, natural white. I stay away from white because white is a very bright color and you really don't want to blind yourself. So I would stay away from white when it comes to the blades. I mean, the rails, they do have white in them. So if you like, if you like the way the rails are, I mean, you, and you want the, the white on there, go for it. It's just for me. I don't put white on there. Uh, it's just too bright for me. With that said, now we got to look into forward voltage of each color so we can figure out what battery we need to use uh, for this whole for the whole thing. Now, well, of course, once again, every color has a different voltage. So and they have a wide range. The chart that I will upload uh, is going to is going to have more details of basically each color and their forward voltage range. So, okay, when we look at the batteries that we use, a single cell LiPo battery, which is going to be used for any size night blade, they range, it's a four point, it fully charged as a 4.2 volt battery. Storage is going to be a 3.8. None of these LEDs can handle the full power of 4.2. I've tested, I've tried, it explodes, it doesn't handle it. So, but they all, they all range in a much different forward voltage range. Red is the lowest out of all of it. Now, you can also group these up. A lot of times when you look at these charts, they will actually group up a lot of the colors, uh, like the infrared colors are pretty much grouped up together to run the same voltage. And then the ultraviolets are very close to the same voltage range. The chart that I'm going to have is actually going to, to group them all up. There is ways to find the exact true voltage of each color. If you really want to spend a lot, a lot of time trying to get the, the maximum brightness without blowing it up or wearing the LED down, but that's a lot of work. You don't have to. You can if you want to get picky with it. I eventually am going to, uh, just for my own sake, just to figure it out and write it down. But if you just want to do something simple and put on there, like I did with the 180 blades, I just went by what it said. So with that said here, um, red, orange, and yellow is basically grouped up as the same. They average between one point and they, they can fluctuate between like 1.8 and I've even got them up to 2.5 volts um, for those, each of those colors. Uh, obviously red is going to be lower than any of them. So you can get the brightest out of red at around eh, two to 2.2 volts. So with those three colors there, the average uh, you're looking at 1.8 as the low operating voltage, 2.5 is the highest voltage, but you're looking around typically 2.2. I would use red around 2 volts, while orange and yellow, I would use around 
Uh, so now you're looking at green, pink, blue, and also the white colors. Cool white and warm white and this chart is grouped together, though they do on other charts have separate uh, forward voltages minimum and maximum and typical as well. Uh, again, they can be used as the same. The only thing you're going to affect is going to get the, the brightness of it, which you can easily figure out if you want to, or you could just say, screw it, I'm going to put that on there. It's going to be bright. Could it be the brightest it can get? Maybe, uh, maybe not, but it don't matter. It's completely up to you. It's going to work. Let's just say that it's going to work. So those voltages can be, uh, the minimum is, is about 2.8, maximum is about 3.6, typically around 3.2. Blue is probably, blue and pink actually. Blue and pink is going to be your lowest, um, or, or it's going to be the highest voltage colors. They need more voltage than anything else. So I would typically run those around 3.2 to 3.3 volts, uh, to get the, the, the brightest you can get out of them without damaging the bulb. So now another thing we got to figure out is we need to add resistance to these different colors because... Oh, yes. This little catch. So uh, I guess the basic would be here. The basics of a diode, I suppose. Um, think of electricity like water and think of a diode as a check valve. It really doesn't have much in the way of resistance itself. So if you apply a voltage to it, it's going to dump as much current as it possibly can through it, which is totally enough to burn out your LED. So what Shaggy's about to explain is oh, that yes. you need to put a resistor in front of or behind the LED in order to, um, you're basically dropping it so the voltage across the LED called the forward voltage is about right, and you're only putting as much current as you need through through the LED, otherwise it'll burn the thing out. And this is also worth mentioning that when it comes to the LEDs, if you look at the... Uh, current voltage and luminosity graph for an LED, you'll find that usually 80% of the rated current will get you pretty much all the brightness you need. That last 20%, uh, because eyes perceive light logarithmically, you have to use a ton of more current to the LED to get that last bit of brightness out of it, and it usually just kills it faster. It's usually not worth it. Yeah, you just stop at the 80 and you're good to go. That's what I'm saying, like that last, you know, that last percentage is is so hard to get to get the the brightest you want um without damaging the bulb it, it it's it's just go off go by the chart go off the chart if it says these three colors are the same typically yes they you know they are different but just use just go by the chart make it simple i've noticed red diodes typically take a little bit less current than something like uh green or blue oh yeah yeah, one 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 thing I'm going to point out here when I so it took me six months to get these 180 blades working, and what I mean by that I mean five months and three weeks of doing the research and everything, and one week of building, because I had to research all this crap. It's it's ridiculous, and I didn't know about resistors at the time. I didn't think about that, so I built a set with no resistors. They were dim as all get out, and they were also on three volt button batteries. I don't even want to get with that. That was a nightmare. But basically, everything, every every color ran the same forward voltage. Red was great. Red was bright, but blue, I couldn't use blue. It couldn't operate on three volts. So I didn't have blue in that set. Green was barely visible. So I upped the voltage to a 4.2 LiPo and I added resistors. And now I actually get a consistent glow from each LED. So yeah, so like what Mike was saying, resistors are kind of like that that water valve, you know, you're slowing it down. So it not, not as much goes through where some may have a bigger, um, a bigger nozzle and they can pump out a lot more, more water. 
so are a lot more current, you can open up the valve, put less resistance. So basically, as the number of ohms uh, in resistance goes up, the, the, the tighter you're resisting that flow, that nozzle, you know, the tighter you're getting it, the less water or less current is going through. So every single one of these can have a different resistor. But again, if you want to make it simple, you can group up red, orange, yellow as the same, green, blue, pink, white as the same. And that's kind of like what I did for my 180 blades. You can always go back and try to tweak it and figure out exactly, you know, go up on a, uh, on a, up on an ohm on each resistor just to see how best you can get it before it blows or before it starts deteriorating the LED. You can do that later on if you want, but if you, you just go, uh, you can just do those, those colors all the same just to get it to work. And that's what I did with my 180 blades. So with that said here, so when you start figuring out the, the resistance, uh, how much resistance each LED needs, you also got to look at the voltage of the battery you're going to be using. So we're going to be using a single cell LiPo. Uh, single cell LiPos are fully charged at, as we all know, 4.2 volts and storage charges at 3.8. But you don't want to, you don't want to add the resistance to the LED as the full voltage or at the lowest voltage. Obvious reasons there. You don't want to do the full, the full voltage because as the voltage starts dropping, even with load, it already drops. Your LEDs are getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer as it's going down. And if you obviously, obviously you don't want to put it at the lowest voltage because as you fully charge it, boom, you blow it all up. All the LEDs blow. Uh, resistors blow. You're done. You just destroyed everything and start back, start over from the beginning. What I did here is I calculated the resistance through the battery pretty much at a load. You don't want to, you don't want to do a huge range, but I did it at a load voltage, which was basically four volts even. Charge at 4.2, do your resistance calculations at 4 volts. Uh, that way, it can get a little bit brighter. There is a little bit of room where you can get a little brighter in the very beginning, but once that load is added, it's going to keep constant from 4.0 to pretty much down to even 3.6 if you let the battery go a little low, uh, which is probably going to happen, honestly. These are night blades. I mean... They don't, the, the, these LEDs do not drain a huge amount of current. So what's, what's the, what's, there's no problem having a little bit of milliohm resistance in your batteries. Um, cause it's going to happen. And once again, you can change it over time. So you want to do the math at at least four volts with a load. So that's going to be your low voltage. And that's going to be, you know, again, it can range through all the size blades that we're, that you can make between the 180s all the way up to 800 size blades. We're going to be calculating it at four volts. So there's actually, and the great thing about this here is there is a bunch of LED calculators uh, online, and I will include a bunch of links. There's, there's a crap load of ones out there, the one I use personally, and then a bunch of other ones that I found that were just as good and just as simple, and it, very, it explains a bunch. So in our example, we're going to be running five LEDs on each blade. Uh, another thing about these LEDs is the draw, the current it draws, they're going to, because these calculators ask for that, they are averaging, they average around 20 milliamps uh, of current per LED. For this calculation here, uh, each LED is going to be about 20 milliamps uh, of current. And that's going to be, that's going to range pretty much through all the sizes. Uh, when you look up the charts of these LEDs, the standard is basically 20 milliamps from the 0603s all the way to like the 5050s they're pretty much going to be 20 milliamp draw. So now we need to figure out the capacity of the battery we want. Now we got to do all to try to figure out before the actual resistors. 
So what I what I average what I what I uh, recommend is try to get enough capacity to last at least thirty minutes of flight time, or or not flight time, but uh, illuminating time. So the time you turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, it adds up to about thirty minutes worth. You know, give or take, of course, before the before the the, the battery reaches the safe low voltage state of you know three point six volts or so. You know, we don't want to go much lower than that. Obviously, with our helicopter batteries, we don't want to go any lower than like three point seven. Uh, but with these, you know, we can go a little lower. We we can we can play with it a little bit more. They're still going to work just as fine. So now, with that said. Uh, 20 milliamps. You got, uh, now we're going to times it by five LEDs, which, uh, is going to be on each blade. That equals to 100 milliamps of current or 100 milliamp hours. So it'd be 100 milliamps of, of consumption every hour. So a 50 milliamp light bow should last at least 30 minutes. But of course, obviously this world isn't perfect and all the batteries are not truly labeled as that capacity. You know, we got to also factor in a 50 milliamp battery may not be 50 milliamps it may be 36 milliamps it may be 47 milliamps it may be 55 milliamps you never know i mean they're all going to be different and especially with these smaller batteries they're really going to fluctuate so to get this mat th- this calculation to calculate that out you want to add maybe a sixth or even a seventh led to that calculation so instead of well, let's do seven here so instead of uh five LEDs, which equals 100 milliamps, we're going to do seven, which equals 140 milliamps. So maybe a 60 or any, maybe even a 70 milliamp light we should do for at least a 30 minutes per charge. Uh, now, again, that also will affect the voltage, you know, from 4.2 to like 3.8, maybe 3.6, may not be fully 60, 70 milliamps. So maybe you might want to round that up a little bit more to maybe like 100 milliamp battery. It all depends on the size of your blades. If you're doing this calculation on a set of 600 blades, screw it, put 150 milliamp battery in there. Be good enough. But if you're doing this on a very small set of blades like Oxy2, you're very limited on how much capacity you could put in there because you're adding a lot more weight to very, very small blades. So on the 180, uh, back to the 180 example here, I used five 0603 LEDs run and also running a 25 milliamp LiPo. That gives me about 10 minutes of illuminating light. So, or three flights. It'll last me about three flights before I got to charge it up. So, because I needed a small enough battery to be able to keep the weight down and actually for it to fly, but still enough to be able to get at least a little bit of flight time out of it. So, 25 milliamp battery lasts me about three flights before I have to charge it back up. So, now another topic before we get to the resistors here, uh, we got to go through what kind of batteries should we be using? Well, there's a bunch of crap load of batteries you can go ahead and use. You can use um, your, you can, well, okay, let's focus on two main batteries so we can use. Uh, we got your hobby grade varieties of batteries as well as your non-hobby grade batteries. So hobby grade batteries, you know, basically like E-Flight, Venom, Pulse, uh, 1S UMX style batteries. A ton of you guys probably have them for flying the little tiny whoop uh, multi rotors. If you have any, uh, if you have an MCPX lying around, or if you have um, any UMX style Horizon hobbies planes, uh, they all use like UMX um, 1S style blade you know, or batteries. They're very, very tiny little 100, 150 million capacity, maybe even smaller like the, uh, I know the Horizon, um, was it Park Zone? Uh, Mini Vapor used like a, between a 30 million, recommend like a 30 million. 
uh, 1S LiPo or up to a 70 milliamp 1S LiPo. I have that plane flies a long time on those small batteries. So you can actually, those are actually perfect uh, for a lot of these blades, especially if you're using between the Oxy 2 size uh, blades. So like the 190 to 10 millimeter blades, all the way up to maybe like the fireball size blades, which is like uh, 280, as well as like maybe the Oxy 3, which is 255. So those those batteries are actually perfect. The 70 millimeter, uh, milliamp size are perfect for those. For your like 360 size, um, the 100 would be probably perfect. The 100 milliamp uh, size battery would probably be perfect. And then of course you get to your five and 600. You know your 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 150, the 200 milliamp, uh, even 250 maybe uh, of those stick batteries would be would do the job. But of course those batteries are they can be pricey. You know five six bucks a battery it adds up. Uh, so if you're really trying to make it as cheap as possible, maybe you want to go something else, but those will be the best batteries to use. Honestly, uh, they are bigger. They are a little bit heavier, uh, because they discharge at a much higher, uh, higher rate than the other batteries I'm going to talk about. But, uh, you know, you, you are adding more weight to it, but basically the batteries have bigger, um, bigger valves pretty much this is you know in a water aspect they have bigger valves through it where a lot of energy can flow right out of them a lot quicker uh because even though these are leds and they don't draw a whole lot of current compared to a very small uh, battery it puts a lot of a lot of stress on the batteries it drains a lot of seas out of them so the hobby grade ones are going to last a lot longer than the non-hobby grade batteries so they're better but if you're trying to make it as light as possible not gonna be the best option they're going to add a lot of weight. They're great for, uh, like I said, the Oxy 3 Goblin Fireball to larger models. Now, let's talk about these, um, the general grade uh, type of batteries, you know, the non-hobby grade batteries. So these are going to be like Bluetooth devices, uh, maybe in, key, you know, wireless keyboards or, in, in, you know, small little like everyday use items. They don't have really big consumption use whatever, anything, you know, some watches, uh, like Fitbits, whatever they have the little tiny, they have lipos in them, but they're very, very tiny, small capacity batteries. So you can, uh, I actually have a general use, um, 25 milliamp battery in my 180. That is half the size of a 25 milliamp e-flight battery. That is a hobby grade battery for that little UMX vapor. It is half the size. However, the charge and discharge current is significantly less. So that 1S uh, hobby grade LiPo, you can charge at like 0.5 amps, but the general grade ones, it's like 0.05 amps. It's significantly less. Like you cannot charge it at a very high amperage at all. Same thing with discharging. It cannot discharge at very high uh, loads. It can't discharge at a high amp rate. So they are not going to last as much because even though these LEDs you know, are very efficient and all they do, they do consume, you know, it's, you're not going to, you're not making a perfect circuit. It's going, you're going to have a lot of waste energy pretty much being absorbed through. It's not a hundred percent efficient. You're going to drain a lot out of that battery and the battery will die overall eventually over time. And you're going to have to replace it. Uh, on my 180 blades, I mean, I've had them the way they are for well over a year. They've been doing great. It's still the same batteries and I'm getting the same amount of flight time. So I can't say anything bad about it. It works. I, I know I'm, I'm draining it way lower than 3.6 volts and I know I'm charging it way faster than I need to be. 
because I can't go any lower than 0.1 amp, but they've been working. So it's way above the standards of what it, what, what it says it's supposed to do, but it, it's been working. So you're still good with them. Now places to get these batteries. So obviously the hobby grade batteries you can get them pretty, ma- pretty much anywhere. You'll know where to get them. The general grade ones, the best place to look is Amazon or eBay. Um, buy them in a, in a package of like five or 10 packs. Just search like Bluetooth device batteries or something on eBay or Amazon. You'll be able to find them. They're there. And, and the prices are, I mean, let's say I got, I got 10 of those 25 milliamp batteries for my 180 for, uh, I want to say there was like $15. So it was up there, but I mean, you get 10 of them. I can make five sets of blades. So now we got our, um, our milliamp consumption of the LEDs, the forward voltage of each LED. Now we're going to do the calculation for each one, of course. And we got our, 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 our voltage of the battery, which is going to be our load voltage of four volts. So now we'll go to a, uh, I will include links with these, the calculators, but we're going to go into the LED calculators here. And basically there's a parameter where what you type in, what you want, you know, what you, you know, all the, all the stuff you have, and it'll give you a, a code of, um, it'll kind of give you like a wire, you know, some of them will give you wire diagrams, some of them will give you like codes or anything of the resistors. Some of them will have, uh, the color code, uh, dialoid resistors, and then they'll give you like, they'll show a picture of like the dialoid resistors with the color co- uh, codes on there. And then underneath we'll have like the number. Three hole resistors? Yeah. 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 Those boyos. The magical color code of resistance. We're not using those though, which is, would nope. <laughs> be a pain in the butt if you were. It's easy. Uh, if you ever took high school physics or whatever, it's, um, it's black, brown, and then the color spectrum for most numbers. And then you've got some other ones in there, like gray and crap. Black is zero, brown is one, red's two, yada, 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 yada. And usually it's... Uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, usually you've got three bands for the value in most cases. Sometimes you've got more, but your average is just got two numbers, and then a multiplier, and then a tolerance. But if we're talking uh, solid state, the little guys, little surface mount doodads, yeah, it's straight up a number and then a multiplier, and that's it. And that's if you get lucky. Yes, exactly. They usually don't have anything printed on them below 0402. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, 0603 is the smallest I've seen. Those have numbers, surprisingly. And I got a big old book with uh, 7,800 values. Or, sorry, 170 values, 7,800 resistors. That's just one book. So, but like these calculators will, they will, some of them will show like an image of the color combinations, but then we'll have the number uh, code on the bottom of it. So there we go. Mike just explained basically what the combinations were and everything. You've got the, the first number is going to be your, your value. And then the second, the, the last number is going to be your, your uh, multiplier. I'm going to skip that ahead and, and kind of explain that since we're on that page there. So there's a bunch of different types of, um, resistors uh you've got like we're going to talk about smd the numbers uh number codes we're not going to talk about the 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 whole pin dialogues or anything like that uh so we've got a um three figure smd resistor uh coding system four figure smd uh resistor coding system and then the eia 96 smd resistor code system i'm not even touching that right now uh not even the four the four we're not even going to touch right now we're only focusing on the three because that's all we'll be using we're using not even over 100, 100 um, ohms of resistance. 
So no need to go to the fours and then the letters and then the, the, the trigonometry, whatever that is. I'm not even touching that right now. Mike probably knows, but I'm not. No. So we're just going to focus on the three numbers. So basically what it is, it's uh, let's just do a um, I'm just going to say a, a simple one right now. Uh, I'm not going to get into detail. The document is going to have all that kind of explained. Let's focus on like 220. So the resistor has 220 on it. It's basically 22 uh, ohms because the zero is the multiplier. There is no, uh, we're not multiplying it. So 22 is the resistance there. Uh, if you start going into like uh, 221, then you're timesing 22 by 22. And there you go. And then if it was two, you're timesing it by to the third power. And then by four to the fourth power, fifth, whatever, and so on. We're not going to get anywhere near that. So basically all the resistors we're going to have it's going to have a zero at the end. The first two numbers, except for 100. Uh, 100 is going to be... Oh, 100 is 101. Uh, yeah, 10 to the power of 10. So 10 times 10 is 100. Yep. So basically that's the highest one. That's one of the highest ones we're going to be using is 100, if that really. The rest of them are going to be pretty much... The, the, there's going to be no multiplier. So the numbers are going to be what we're using. Uh, again, the document's going to have more information on that. So these calculators here are very, very simple here. You type in the source voltage. So we're going to type in four volts, then the dilate voltage, full voltage. So then you type in the voltage that uh, the typical voltage we're going to use. So let's say we're going to use red. We're going to type in eh, 2.2 volts and then you type in dilate forward voltage. So 20 milliamps, then you hit find resistance. And what do you get? A hundred ohms of resistance, uh, one eighth uh, watt. So this kind of explains everything there. It has uh, on this calculator that I'm, I'm explaining right now, kind of shows you that your power source, which says four volts, then it has your resistance. It has the color combination if you're using the color code uh, resistors, but on the bottom it has the actual like number. Um, it doesn't so it doesn't show the code number. It just shows what how many uh, ohm, ohms of resistance you need, and then it shows the watts. We'll get that to that in a second. Maybe I might have Mike explain a little bit about the watts. So. And it's gonna, it says uh, one eighth watt. And then at the end to the LED uh, on the image here, it shows 2.2 volts at 20 milliamp current. And so these calculators are great sources of um, just figuring out if you don't, if you don't know, uh, you can do the math, you can do the math and all that stuff, but it's just best to get one of these calculators. It's simple, easy, and takes like two seconds. So next thing after that is tolerance level. I don't know anything about tolerance level at all yet mike you probably do if you do speak up uh but if not well, about what tolerance is uh that just means when the factory makes it they're guaranteeing you it's going to be within one percent or five percent of the value that it says on the box that's all that is so one percent are better than right yeah they're always yes one percent will absolutely be better because it means the resistor that you can pull out of that package will be within Plus or minus one percent of the value it says on the box. They're generally more oh, expensive. Okay. However, the price of the little tiny ones is usually so low that there's usually no. Unless you're making ten thousand of something and you're buying a hundred thousand plus resistors, there's no reason to not just buy the better tolerance ones just for the hell of it. I mean, if you're doing analog stuff, it starts to matter a lot more. And if you're playing with like real sensitive circuits, but for freaking LEDs, it's like yeah, I don't give a shit. Five percent whatever well there we go now i learned something yeah. too because actually i got a whole book of 0603 uh one percent resistors there you go yeah use them 
You probably noticed, well, I mean, the things, they're fractional cent prices per unit. So it, it might be like 0.01 cent more, or maybe like 10, I don't know, like, like half of a cent more expensive per resistor to buy the 1%. So it's like, just do it. Let's just say this whole entire book of like 7,800 resistors costs 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. SMB so we're not talking so about a lot of money here. So there we go. Um, thank you, Mike, for explaining the tolerance levels there. So 1% would be better to get. However, again, we're talking with LEDs. We don't need 1%. Go with 5% if you need. I mean, if, if, if you if you see a huge price difference, you know, it doesn't really matter, though. So it's not a huge thing to, to worry about. Uh, if you can get the 1%, go for it. But if you always see is 5%, eh, whatever, 5% will work. Okay, so next thing is um, now that we've pretty much summed up everything that we we did the hard research stuff now. Now it's time for the fun stuff to get the rest of it and very simple stuff. That was right there uh, is the hardest part of making these night blades is figuring out what size you need, figuring out the battery, figuring out the forward voltage of the LEDs, the resistors, and calculating all of that stuff is always going to be the hardest and most time consuming. Now we need to get to the fun stuff. And the next item here that we need to purchase here is going to be copper tape, single side adhesive copper tape. Now, I will add some links in there to give some uh, size choices, but for the smaller blades, I'd recommend getting like two to three millimeter with uh, copper tape. Uh, you can get this stuff, again, cheap. None of these uh, components here are really expensive. It's all dirt cheap. For the larger blades, I would get one eighth inch. And again, you can get a five meter roll for, no, actually it's a 50 foot roll. It's a 50 foot roll for like two or $3 on eBay or Amazon. And all these things here, again, you can find on eBay or Amazon. That's where I bought all my stuff here. And you can get them in uh, pretty much bulk price or bulk bundles for five, six, seven bucks here and there. Um, all the LEDs, you can get a, you can get a, a value pack of all different size LEDs of each colors or anything like that for five, six bucks. So copper tape, I would recommend three millimeter, two to three millimeter uh, with for the small blades and one eighth inch with for the larger blades. Nothing special. It work. You just basically apply that uh, on the blade firmly. Uh, you cut the length and you just kind of push down there very straight and evenly. Uh, another thing we need to, um, get is switch choices. How are we going to turn this on and off? There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. We're just going to do a simple uh, sliding switch. I've done a, um, a pin that shorts it out, you know, that, that or it doesn't short it out, but it create, it finished the circuits kind of like a binding pin. Uh, I've done that where you plug in a, kind of like a bind pin and it completes the circuit. And I've also done like sliding switches. Now I will say if you do use uh, sliding switches, make sure that when you turn it on, you're flipping the switch towards the towards the tip of the blade, not towards the base. Because spinning an RPM, depending on how sensitive the switch is, you don't want the 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 G-force to push that switch in, so or to turn the switch off. So have it turn on by pushing out towards the tip of the blade. Uh, it's just it'll prevent catastrophic failure, just in case if the switch is very very sensitive. Uh, again, eBay, Amazon, uh, you can get like a, a crap load of them for dirt cheap prices. And also with that, you need a charging tab. So if you're doing like the binding style plug, uh, I did on now Bob's blades, I made it where it was a three pin, uh, it was a three pin 
lead, the far outer pins was the same circuit. That was positive. So when I put the bind plug, it went through each to the outer ends, which completed that circuit. The center was negative and that was to the battery. So for charging, I did like a JST style plug and plugged into those two leads uh, while for flying and using plugged into the outer two outer pins. For my 180 blades, I just have it's a it's smaller than a it's like the size of the Spectrum satellite. I think it's the JST ZH type plug, very very small little plug. I have that soldered onto the battery and just barely sticking up at all. Like it just barely sticks up on the front and where I can plug it just enough where I can plug the charging lead on there. But for the most part, it's pretty much glued to the blade. Just a very small little piece sticking up where I could plug the actual charging lead on. And then I plug that into one of those um, E-Flight USB charging hubs. Uh, you could go to parallel or put them in series. You can make a harness if you want to. That's completely up to you. But just make a, you know, just small little J, either a JST or a uh, JST ZH plug that just kind of sticks up a little bit in the front or on the trailing edge. Uh, let's see. Now the next thing is pretty much soldering everything to the uh, to the resistor uh, to the copper tape. Choose your orientation and start laying it out. I would do one blade at a time. Basically, lay out your two rows of copper tape, and I would take like a sharpie or something. Well, a very fine sharpie, and just kind of put like a small mark where you want your blade, where your LEDs are at, and what color. Maybe not right on the copper tape, just kind of like on the actual carbon fiber of the blade, just a little below that, and then start soldering, you know, your resistors and LEDs uh, to each section there. And then flip it around the back and start doing that. I wouldn't start the other blade until you've finished one full blade. Not not 100% complete, but to the point where you have the battery and you turn it on and off and you can see it working. Then you can mirror the, the other blade, kind of line up the leading edges and start marking where those LEDs are at. Because you want to make sure the CG is going to be just right. So you have it all lined up just perfectly. So once that is done, you already have the LEDs now soldered and you basically start your, your battery tab. Again, I'm not going to get too explained detailed on how that, because it's hard to really talk about how you're going to really wire this up. It's best to show you guys in examples and pictures, maybe in a video later on in the future. Uh, when I mean later on in the future, I mean later on, maybe the end of springtime, because it's going to take a while to really get all this organized. Uh, but I will get some stuff out there for you guys. So. Once you pretty much have that done, you have it mirrored on another blade, you start putting that together and now you got both blades. They work great. They work properly. You got the charging hubs on there. They, the, the charging tabs, they work properly. Are you able to charge the battery? See the voltage with the multimeter if you needed to, whatever. LEDs turn on like they should. Next thing is start taking some either super glue, shoe goo or whatever. Start gluing like the base of the battery down. Start gluing um, the the three the, or the, the the slider switch. I would glue the base. Don't glue. Don't make sure the glue doesn't go inside because it'll lock that switch up. But make sure you just glue the base to the blade. And I'll have it kind of above the battery. And I'll take black. You know, it could be any color, but I'll take thread, twine, or not twine, but thread, just like clothing for sewing and stuff like that. And I'll thread around the switch and around the battery while applying CA to harden that. That also keeps an extra protection on those two components, which are going to be your biggest and heaviest component on the blade from ejecting. After making sure all that is pretty much glued and secured, then I will take white or you can do clear 
I prefer to do the white uh, because it kind of doesn't give that that harsh, bright beam of light. It kind of softens the light a little bit. I'll take strips of white heat shrink and I'll put it over each LED as well as putting over the whole entire battery. And I'll you know heat shrink that down. Now for the battery, make sure it overlaps the front and the back of the battery. So it kind of like almost encaptionize it. It doesn't allow it to maybe still be able to with this typical force to push out in between. It kind of overlaps the side. So when you shrink it, it shrinks all the way around the battery. And, and then once you do that to all the LEDs as well as the battery, uh, just take a very thin like flat screwdriver, kind of go in between, push it up a little bit and put a small drop of CA on each side all the way around. You want to make sure that the heat shrink is not going to fly off in flight. Because I've had that happen. So yeah, heat shrink, heat shrink it and then put a little bit of CA around that. Um, around the edge, around the inside of it if you can. Just try to secure that, that heat shrink on there. So pretty much after that is te- uh, test the CG. See how things are balanced out. Best way to balance it out is, uh, you know, obviously a blade balancer. But to add weight to one blade, put a few more pieces of heat shrink on it. Um, until it, you know, gets quite properly. If it's way off, then something you did something clearly wrong. Start looking back at your blades and see maybe this LED was further up, way further up than what the other one is. So you, then unfortunately you have to take that back off and reposition it, but make sure that it's not like a clear difference. Cause then you clearly did something wrong. Make sure it's just, you know, just okay. Like a typical blade balancing, you know, but you're just going to add a few more pieces of heat shrink or, Maybe a dot, dot of CA or something on the very tip of one, just to keep that balance proper. Uh, and that, that's about it. Uh, after that, go fly and hope and just, you know, cross your fingers that it doesn't like explode. But if you did it properly, it shouldn't. I think I'm done now. Thank God. Okay, it's time to talk about the gun section here. Uh, we're going to go buy a SIGs, we're going to buy a Glocks, we're going to go Saracota, we're going to go Pew Pew, and it's going to be good because Virginia. What are you talking about? I'm just going to get everyone Glocks for Christmas. So closeout topics. Upcoming events. Finally! You know, the next one's next weekend, and that's going to be, uh, oh, what is that? The Super Pole? The Super Pole! <laughs> 1999. Oh, geez. This Sunday only, only on pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll be down at RCHO uh, for the uh, Super Bowl in North Carolina. Hey, do you think if I, I try hard enough? I don't know. Can I antagonize another 550 combat? Wait, no, never mind. That's a terrible idea. I'm not doing that. Why is that? Because I have a 550 now. And I will be. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. No, 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 no. Uh oh. Yeah. Nope. Make it a seven hundred. I'm gonna leave then. it at home. I'm just gonna leave it at home. I don't think. Nah, nah. Seven seven hundred is too expensive. It's. I don't think I can get him to do no. that. You know what we need? We need two guys to show up with Velos eight eighties, entice them. <laughs> just blow those up. <laughs> Some guy from a hobby shop is just gonna be running around like, oh, so much money. Four motors, eight batteries, two airframes. Want to see sixteen grand explode? Yeah, really. They were pretty. They were actually shockingly safe about the whole thing, though. They went really far out when they did that. They did. Yeah. They did. I want to close this out and go to bed. Yeah, really. All right. So anyway, next event coming up: Super Bowl, North Carolina. RCHA crew. Uh, they're cool as hell. You should definitely go yep. if you get the chance. That and we get to see the uh, hooligans um, and. 
the hooligans. The hooligans. Yeah, he'll yeah. be there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then uh, otherwise, I guess uh, see the calendar. Yeah. After that, recently. I know Huntsville is also the same weekend. So all the uh, all my friends down in Alabama have fun at Huntsville. So that's definitely a fun event to go to if uh, you're down in the Alabama area. Alabama. Alabama. Um, and after that, it gets in the spring fling. So past that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> spring fling. Past spring fling. Fling in the spring. <laughs> I, I'm still tempted to take my fireball and fling it, literally fling it in the air and then spool it up. I mean, it worked with a 180. And that's a direct drive heli. There's no main gear to blow up. You know what? I'd say I'd say send it. I got to figure out how to do uh, just, bailout speed blow up on that thing. Oh, crap. All right, we'll have to figure, what's your ESC then? Hobby wing platinum V4. 60. Oh, it's got, yeah, it's got bailout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I need to figure out how to set it up. No, it's got bailout. We'll ha- I'll show you how to do it next weekend. But all right. And then I guess. Uh, check the calendar. Yeah. Check the pole. calendar. Yeah. Check the calendar. Super yep. Bowl and check the calendar. Yep. Uh, pretty much. Um, yeah. The next recording after this would be um, during Spring Fling. So yeah, that's gonna be great. Are we doing that? That's the thing, huh? Uh, it's Hell getting. Yeah. It's, people are expecting it. We're gonna have to do it. Some new mics are gonna happen. Whoa. Uh, also, another thing. Um, thanks to Bob Heaster, there is now a thing going on with Misfa and a speed cup and the dra- and some drag racing. Don't get smoked, Shaggy. You better not let us down. You're representing Virginia. I'm just going to point this out here. Crazy guy named Bob Heaster went out and uh, basically smacking me around saying that he could beat me in a speed contest. And I'm like, oh, wait, where did this come from? So all of a sudden. You got called out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm getting called out. So uh, I'm going to have to bring my A game on this and actually try to smoke this guy here. You better not get creamed because Robert and I will come find you and it's yeah. going to be a sock party if you make Virginia look bad. So, but, so that was a start of it. And now all of a sudden, you know, with getting uh, Joe Reyes and then Justin Pucci and all these other guys involved, um, now we're going to have an actual like podcast drag race. So this should be exciting because all, supposedly all three podcasts Excluding, obviously excluding um, RC Heli Nation, even though he is going to be there. But the three current podcasts are pretty much going to be there. So, I don't know. What do you guys feel about this? I'm feeling like you better not let us down. Well, no, no, no. This is also going to involve you guys too. So, this is not all on me. I mean, am I racing? You're, yeah, apparently so. Oh, I didn't know about that. What, what am I what, what am I racing? The highest head speed you I got. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm going to bring a mod motor and put that in just for the race, but what, what am I racing? I don't even know yet. I've just been told I'm, root, I'm racing. Don't make me bring a 3,000 RPM 5.56. It'll happen. <laughs> I want to see it. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. So, I don't know, Rob, are you, you going to be doing some speed? Apparently so, because we've all been called uh, out. 1,300. 1,300. <laughs> um, yeah. Here comes Robert Monty across the sky. Mm, there he goes. And time. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Well, we, should, we should be doing some recording out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of friends. Uh, yeah. More talks about getting proper mics for such a thing. Got to say a big thank you to uh, Desk Pilot, uh, William Anthony Billan. <laughs> yeah. 
Especially, especially for all the videos he did of uh, competition flying at uh, Natsis last year. Uh, he's been sharing a bunch of links, which has been awesome. Um, he's been busy. Sure has. <laughs> the unofficial uh, uh, Mishva uh, photographer. <laughs> photographer and videographer. <laughs> So big thing. What's, what's to him. funny is uh, Justin replying to that saying, "No, you're as official as it's going to be." That was funny. They didn't see that. Definitely. So, um, past that, I guess a uh, big thank you to all our listeners, and uh, y'all have a great time, and see you on the field later, people. Good night. I go to bed now. From all of us at Telerotor RC Podcast, thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the field. You can find us online on Facebook.com at Telerotor RC Podcast or on Podbeam. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. We're recording now on my end, you f***s! Uh... Furthest back I can remember is I went out to the field on a Saturday, which I rarely get Saturdays off until now, actually. I've been getting all the Saturdays off, which is awesome. Uh, hung out with those two bastards that uh, did you hear as well. Why are you typing that out in the show notes? Come on. <laughs> oh, you guys are suck. <laughs> Come hey, on. We're f- with you silently and you stopped talking <laughs> come on okay for those that are like writing a bunch of crap in the show notes and Domo Ricato, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> that's literally what they're typing out right now <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. exactly what this they wrote is, out this just is now next level trolling I, you know, I'm just oh, going to. I'm just going to. Next level trolling. I'm going to yeah. minimize that so I don't read any of it. I'm busy writing out the lyrics to Mr. Roboto. <laughs> well, I guess it's time to type out a novel of you, Shaggy. <laughs> anyway, right, so, so you went to a field and you flew with some dumbasses, right? What, what happened next? Yeah, I saw a. Uh, I don't know if I should mention it, but I'm going to mention it anyways. I saw a uh, unicorn and I saw it fly for the first time and actually touched it. Which was awesome. That's disgusting. We're not talking about that piece of crap Avant, are we? No, the other unicorn. The one that actually exists. Wore the canopy. That's the first thing I'm going to do. I, I always got to put the canopy on. On my head. So, on my head. Nothing else. On my head. And that was pretty cool. So, anyway. So, I went ahead and I started flying. Uh, flew... <laughs> I went ahead and... What else did you fly? You know what? I think I'm done. Good night, guys. This is... This is too much. You guys are screwing me. What? I mean, I would. It's a nice-looking helicopter. <sighs> Rob. I would just not look at the show notes and look at them later and then laugh at them. Rob, take some Xanax. Or cut off the Xanax. Hey, I'm on mute. What's the problem? Dude, don't don't do this. Closing my computer? Um Oh crap. Okay, where did I get myself into now? <laughs> um well before we get into the uh the the uh, 
the Nightblades. Uh, you want me to record a? You want me to record a closeout for you first? <laughs> okay. Enough jokes aside. There, just 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 minimize that box, and we'll deal with that later. Um, 